I believe a business doesn't need a unique selling proposition, but rather an emotional selling proposition because we buy based on how familiar a brand is to us and how a brand makes us feel. Feelings are stronger than product attributes. Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of E-commerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing. And after helping so many businesses in the e-commerce space over the years, I wanted to bring you the best advice from Australian experts in e-commerce and e-commerce store owners. If you want any relatable stories and actionable advice and the latest Facebook advertising strategies, you're in the right place. Want help with your Facebook and Instagram ads? Remember, you can always book in a free strategy session at brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash free dash strategy dash session. We'll run through your ads, see what's working and what's not, and no sales pitch, I promise. So let's get into today's episode. Today we're here with Julia from Tweed Real Food. Welcome, Julia. Hey, Dana. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's so great to have you. So tell us a little bit about your business and how it got started. Sure. We're located in the Northern Rivers and we make seasonings and balsamic vinegars here on our farm in Mubal. We have got a fairly small range of artisan unique flavor, vinegars, salts, rubs, dukkha. And the last two dukkhas we created even use the macadamias we farm ourselves. And yeah, so everything has been created kind of matching our farming business. We're fifth generation farmers who farm mainly avocados and macadamias and some light cheese, a few other crops. So yeah, the rubs are created around the cattle we raise and then so I set the dukkas now use the macadamias and we have our very, very best seller, Avo Smash Dukkha, which complements the avocados we grow and we're a smallish team of mainly school moms, which is awesome and yeah, it's five years now. Great little business to have. Congratulations. Five years is a, an accomplishment. So you've accredited a lot of your success to sort of this storytelling concept. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that looks like for you guys? Yeah, sure. So I believe a business doesn't need a unique selling proposition, but rather an emotional selling proposition because we buy based on how familiar a brand is to us and how a brand makes us feel. Feelings are stronger than product attributes. Everyone can make seasonings, but when someone buys from us, they buy from a fifth generation farmer. So it, it started with me using Tweedwell Food as a platform to give a bit of insight into an Aussie farmer's life. And we unfortunately had a lot of climate challenges thrown at us. We had the bushfires rip through our orchard, but two years of drought, a 10-minute hailstorm that destroyed 4 million avocados. You name it, we somehow put our hand up for everything. So I always tell people where we're at, not like in, oh, look at poor us, we're the victims, but more telling the story of how we overcome those challenges. And our customers really love that. So I ended up writing a book about it called There's a Story Behind Every Meal. And everything has the purpose of deepening the appreciation for food, Aussie-grown food, Aussie-made and Aussie-owned. When people that sit at the dinner table and eat their meal, to know who's grown it and also what has happened during the time something has grown. You pick up a piece of avocado from the shop, it's gone through floods, drought, bushfires, like all of those challenges that I mentioned before. And I think it makes a difference when you eat it, if you know what has happened. And 
that storytelling, as I said, one thing is the customers feel that bond with you and feel like they want to support you. It's like purchasing with a purpose. But also it's like the pull marketing versus the push marketing. So we charged up our brand to be a brand others want to be associated with. So Woolworth, for example, reached out to us and they literally called us six times and begged us to come onto their marketplace. And I had always said, no, no, we're going to stay away from the big guns and just focus on the other small businesses and speciality shops. But yeah, we finally said yes to, to Woolworth and yeah, that was a good move. And then Harvey Norman has just knocked on our door. They want to stock us on their marketplace. And people hear about us and they want to associate with us. And we also get away with very low wholesale margins because people want us in their shops so they can say, look, we bought this product from this beautiful fifth-generation farming family. And our customers, they're more like brand ambassadors. They know our story. They tell the story even when they use the products or introduce the products to their friends and family. We've got a good referral and rewards program that kind of supports that. So they feel confident in referring us. I love that so much. So when you're talking about your storytelling, obviously you guys have written a book, which is incredible. Is it more in the way that you do things on Instagram, your newsletters? Like how are you putting that story out there? Because I know that's something people really struggle with. Yeah, it's everywhere. Every touch point basically we have with our customer, whether that's on the website, our social media, we have got a really good new social media manager and we film these little videos about avocados or we just show what animals we have here, how we grow the crop, things like that. So there's always a good balance between product and story on our social media, but yeah. it's my email signature. It's absolutely just every touch point. We make sure people know that we are fifth generation farmers. I love that. So in light of that, what are some of your sort of favorite marketing strategies, techniques, platforms that you guys use? I would say currently being on different marketplaces has supported the lack of e-com sales. A lot of businesses are feeling after COVID and obviously the political climate. So there's not as many single sales we have. But as I said, we're on Woolworth and then we're about to go on Hubby Norman. We're about to launch onto Amazon. But also the wholesale platform FAIR has been really good for us. It's a marketplace, but purely for shops and sellers like us that put us in front of a lot of new eyes And then in terms of marketing here, I'd say SEO and email marketing are probably the strongest income bringers. Yeah. We work on weekly by writing blog posts and also writing recipes. And the way we write the recipes is not necessarily based on the products, but it's based on first we do the keyword research and see what keywords have a lot of hits, but not too many existing content you kind of like try to niche as much as possible with still a good search volume and then we write the recipe based on that and find good pictures or even take the pictures ourselves so yeah we start with a keyword and then our email marketing it's a good mixture of campaigns and flows 
We have an enormous amount of flows because I like things automated. We run a pretty lean ship here. Everything automated is a bonus for us. All flows are based on actions taken on our website. Literally anything you do on the website triggers some sort of email that's quite personalized, obviously, to the action you've taken. And then a lot based off that rewards and referral program. They're quite deeply and widely written out. And then when we send campaigns, we highly segment. So we segment by whether people have been active either on the website or with the email. So if they've opened, if they've clicked, if they've purchased, if they've done anything on the website, abandoned card or whatever. So we make sure they've been active somehow and haven't just dropped off. And let's say everyone who's been active in the last 30 days, 60, 90, and we build it up all the way to 180 days. So we always try to keep our account really, really healthy. Because if you drop under certain numbers, you also drop into the spam folder. And we obviously want to avoid that. Although we've got a pretty high number of signups and we've always pushed for more. It's a big focus of ours to grow that signup list. We also kick a lot of people off that list. So as soon as they drop off and they don't serve the email program a purpose anymore, we delete them out. So we only ever send to, let's say the highest would probably be a campaign to go out to a quarter of our signups. And that just keeps us over certain numbers. I think our opening rates are between 50 and 60%. So they're rather high and then good click through, good order rates. And we try to be obviously rather relevant with our emails and provide value and don't sell, sell, sell all the time. I want to go back. You talked about your SEO. Is there a process that you follow to find the right keywords and then go through that? I think that's something that a lot of people could really learn from. I think a lot of people write these blog posts and they just go, oh, I'm just going to put a blog post out. But you've got a really, really nice system to that. So I'd love to know more about how you do that. Yeah, so I don't actually do that myself anymore. I've got someone who does that about five hours a week for me. What he does is, I believe he uses SEMrush, which is a great SEO tool for lots and lots of different purposes, like competitor research and everything. So yeah, he finds the keywords in there and then you just have to judge the keywords or not even just one keyword. You wouldn't just write as Aussie made, but you would write Aussie made seasonings or like you, you just combine a few keywords to you go more niche and then we use chat gpt to write a lot of the content and chat gpt is as good as you feed it so once you know the keywords you go write me a blog post for this particular recipe including the following keywords and then you go through once chat gpt gives you the answer to that then we go through it and kind of like rewrite it because you don't want too much from chat GPT on your website. Otherwise, you get penalized by Google. Yeah. They've got a pretty good algorithm now finding out what's AI and what's real. <laughs> so you have to make sure whatever is written there is highly relevant. And then we do a lot of backlinking on our website, but also try to get backlinks from other businesses, from other websites that have got a really good authority. That push us up in the Google ranking as well. I always say SEO is TLC. It's the technical part where you have to make sure you've got no error pages, things like that. And the C is the content that you create. And then the L is the links. Like I said, you need the internal linking where it makes sense, but then also the backlinking 
the latest blog post, for example, has been in a collaboration with Altina Drinks, the non-alcoholic, super mega yummy drinks that I'm not addicted to. <laughs> so we basically then wrote a blog post about them and kind of like what's the common denominator. So both businesses are female-led and then how their non-alcoholic still wines pair with our seasonings. And then we are linking to her product pages, to the individual products and to her website. So it's never good to do link for link. It needs to be highly relevant for Google to recognize it, not penalize you. And you need to have a good blog post around it. Lovely. I think that's some really great SEO advice there. So thank you very much for sharing. You also mentioned that your email marketing, I'm assuming you're using Klaviyo? Yes. You said you've got thousands of flows. Can you tell us a little bit about the strategy around that and sort of how you decide what deserves to be automated? I know that people get stuck into the sort of same ideas around flows. So it might be nice to hear some unique ideas. Yeah, sure. I wish I had thousands, but it's more like <laughs> close to hundreds. It's basically everything that's automizable, I automize. And Clavio has got a lot of great templates. My highest converting one is actually the post-purchase one for some reason, but the welcome flow is obviously somewhere where you can start. So everyone who signs up to your list gets a nice email and then over the few emails, you introduce your brand, your product, anything that could stop your customer from buying any roadblocks you make sure you address there but create as I said that emotional connection to your brand tell your story in there bit by bit don't overwhelm them don't write an essay in your first email and then everyone who purchased from any of the emails goes in straight into a different flow and then if no one has taken action after I think it's 60 days or something I would have to look up the exact number and then gets a surprise sale. <laughs> so um, they then get um, like 20% off me box to kind of like give them one last sale. Um, and then if they don't take advantage of that, I think they get one last reminder that they still can get that 20% discount. And then they leave my subscribers list completely because mm -hmm. if they haven't converted after that, I don't think they will ever convert. And then that also means they will hurt my analytics. So they get put into a sunset list and we say goodbye to them. That's such a clever strategy. I love that so much. <laughs> and also you sort of touched on the marketplaces. Obviously people are reaching out to you, but is there anything that you'd sort of recommend for people that want to get into those sorts of spaces? Obviously getting into the Woolworths marketplace is huge. Fair, is it hard to get on Fair? No. So Fair is a really, really good starting point. Woolworths, you have to work through a lot of roadblocks. You have yeah, I can imagine. to follow a lot of rules and read a lot of pages of contracts and all of that. But Fair is pretty easy and pretty straightforward and gave us immediate sales. So you can basically just go onto Fair and then apply to become a seller us it didn't actually take long to get approved and then it syncs with your Shopify shop our Shopify already has got wholesale prices and uh, retail prices and then the wholesale prices are just hidden so you can work with tags so you just go into your Shopify products all the ones that you want to feed into fair get the fair tag 
and then you can just tell fair to sync with those once they have a tag and then there's logs and lots of things that you can do to optimize your shop i just had a chat with my wholesale manager this morning how to further push it if you onboard other retailers or other brands you get rewards from fair and you get seen better but then there's also things like how to optimize your shop fronts by putting product attributes in there and obviously good quality photography is Always. really important for a website and any marketplaces. And again, Woolworth has got very strict rules, even how you can display your product. So we had a photo shoot just for Woolworth. But FAIR accepts anything, but you obviously want it to be as good as you possibly can. And then they also have a section where you can tell your story, you can record a video, which I still really, really want to do to greet shop owners. I think that's a really good thing to do that I haven't nailed just yet. And then collections are apparently important and also to change those collections over regularly. I'm about to put a new collection in there, like winter warmers or stuff, because a lot of shops buy seasonal products. Uh, I need to brainstorm what other collections would make sense now. But the more often you change it up and the higher quality the more conversions you receive at the end of the day. And I think we are sitting at 9% conversion rate. So that's pretty good. Lovely. So obviously you're quite experienced in these marketplaces now. Is there anything that you know now that you didn't know when you started that would have made life easier for you? I think you just have to take it one step at a time. Don't give up. Roadblocks will come up, but it's well worth working through them i don't think that that there is any particular advice i could give because every business faces different challenges listing on those platforms maybe one thing i was glad i knew woolworth really wanted us to list on their marketplace our commission with them is 15 percent so that's pretty good because they obviously find customers for us. If you do it via Facebook marketing, you pay so much more, especially with our products being really low price points. You know, we're talking 10, 10 to $20 items here. So 15% is not much for us. Facebook marketing, or Instagram or TikTok. Much more than that. Would be much, much more than yeah. that. And then when Harvey Norman approached me, they were like, oh, yeah, we usually do 20 to 30%. And I'm like, yeah, no, nah, that doesn't work for me. Let's try <laughs> 50%, which I think was it was a bold move, but I knew we were the great to it. So I thought, might as well try. You can always start negotiating. And they agreed to it. So that's fantastic. I suppose if you don't have a benchmark of what's to be expected and what other people are getting they came up to you and said yeah 50 percent." you'd be like i don't know if this is normal like yeah. what what's the standard so thank you very much for sharing i appreciate that so what i did at the beginning i revisited all of my cost of goods and i had it all in a big excel spreadsheet and then i worked out if the commission would be x amount if we do a promotion with Woolworth. we then worked out kind of like if we um, do a 20% off promo with Woolworth, then we still have X amount of profit. So I ran through every single product, all our hampers and everything, and worked that out again. So I knew if they take 15% commission and we go 20% off, I would still make profit. And one 
product, our TryMe hamper that has got all, all our samples in it, we would still at least break even. So even if we do the promo, it's like paid marketing for us. So as long as I can cover all my costs and maybe even make a little bit of a profit, we were happy to give them a 20% off promo. So during the Christmas period, we actually did that for four weeks and that was awesome. And uh, all these platforms, you get more visibility with increase of sales. Um, So the more we sell, the more we get put in front of other people's eyes, the more we sell again. So Sometimes you just have to give it that extra push. Say our Christmas period was awesome with Woolworth. It's dropped off a little bit, but, you know, it's still money that comes in that I don't have to do anything for anymore from here. So, again, it's that automization that I so love. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. And just to touch on a completely different topic, you've won so many awards for Tweed Real Foods. Can you tell us a little bit about the process, how you've done that? Obviously, your food's amazing. But other than having an amazing product, what's that awards process like? So there's different types of awards. There is those awards that you pay a fee to enter. Um, and you can enter as many categories as you want. And there's awards organizations that will then uh, make money with you entering the awards. So that's their whole business strategy. They are good for first awards because they usually want you to win because they want you to carry their badge out in the world as it's marketing for them. So they're good ones to start with. But then there's also the government ones. We have won a few through Business New South Wales, for example, and they have a really good standing because people recognize that they are government awards and then they are the product awards. And we've won a few of those and have just entered another six products. They are like the Melbourne Wine Food Awards or Sydney or Tasmania. They're like the little medals that you see on the wine bottles. Those ones are really good as well because uh, we can then put them onto our products and people recognize those awards. And it doesn't even matter if it's Melbourne or Sydney or whatever. They just recognize bronze, silver and gold. So they have been really good. And those ones are easy to enter because they're just judged on taste, on flavor, and they're blind judged. So you don't have to enter a lot of information. While with the other, especially the government awards, uh, you have to write a bit of an essay You have to explain who you are, why you should win in that um, particular category. So we, for example, won in excellence in micro business. So we had to show why, what's so excellent about what we do. And uh, then I also won as uh, best business leader. So I explained what I do with my staff and uh, what makes me a good leader, which is a bit of a weird one to write. (laughs) Um, It obviously worked out well for you. (laughs) It did, it did. And you stick to the truth, but you obviously make yourself look good. Good. And sometimes it's just (laughs) wording off things. And I like to think that I'm a good leader and we have a really good atmosphere and work. And I asked my staff, like, what do you think is so good about me being a leader? And so they helped me a bit, but I also like to send it to all sorts of different people. Just give me a bit of feedback on the submission because very often you're too close to your own business and you don't see the obvious things and they will. But because it's so time consuming this year and last year, I haven't actually entered anything but the product awards because, yeah, they're pretty quick. My staff can actually do it themselves. 
It's just yeah. for details in and uh, end of the products for the judging. So that's what I've focused on. But it would be nice to win awards again. I'm sure they have some value for a good couple of years too. I'd say so. And yeah. it just gives you that reputation of the government has given them awards. Other programs have given them awards. Surely yeah. there has to be something about them. But also our reviews play a big role in our marketing strategy. So that's built into our email strategy as well. We use Judge Me, an app through Shopify to get our reviews that are on the website. That's all automated through the app. So 21 days after people purchase, they receive an email asking for a review. And in the email, I also say if you if there's anything wrong, please email us, call us, let us know because we want to make it up to you. So A, that gives them a good feeling that we actually care and B, obviously, stops them from leaving a one-star review on the website. <laughs> we also say in the email that has made a difference is like, hey, your review is actually going to go live on our website because sometimes people weren't aware. So they would just write feedback in there and not even think about how many stars they give us. So sometimes the feedback was incredible, but it was the one-star review. So it's a bit explanatory in the email. Once that email has gone out and somebody has left us a review between one and three stars, they receive an email saying, we are so sorry that you had this experience. And again, like, how can we make it up to you here? All the ways to contact us. Luckily, we have such a beautiful, loyal customer base that we don't receive those ones very often. But those ones then get taken out of that flow and dealt with personally. Exactly. But the others stay in there. And then a day after they've left a four or five star review, we also ask them to do us a favor and leave us a Google review. So Google is obviously something you cannot filter or change up or anything. So that guarantees us if somebody gives us a four or five star review on the website, the Google review won't be too bad. And I think about a year, maybe even already two years ago now, JudgeMe announced that Google will actually allow the JudgeMe reviews to be uploaded into Google reviews. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, awesome. Like I've got three and a half thousand good reviews on my website. Sweet. I'll get them onto Google. And then I submitted everything and they literally got back to me and said, no, that's not believable. Your reviews are too good. I'm like, what on earth? They're true reviews. Like I said, what sort of login do I have to give you to show you that we haven't filtered anything out, that we actually work really hard to achieve those uh, reviews? Anyway, I went back and forth and it like escalated to higher up. And yeah, they said, we won't do it. We're not going to take your judgment reviews and put them onto our Google reviews. And I'm like, great. How can I use this? Uh, so <laughs> I sent an email to all our email subscribers, and I said, hey, guess what just happened to us? <laughs> what was so naughty to us? Uh, you could help us by actually going onto Google and leaving us a review. And it took about 12 hours, and we had over 200 five-star Google reviews. So That's that was hilarious. <laughs> like, I'm always a fan of taking some sort of challenge that you have and turning it into something really positive. Don't be shy to actually talk to your customers about things. The more you involve them into processes, the more that emotional connection will form with them. 
I love that. And I think that's such a wonderful note for us to finish on. So we'll just ask the last couple of questions we ask everyone. But thank you so much. You've shared such valuable information. I really appreciate it. So do you have any strategies or habits that you follow each day to help you stay on track in business? I have employed a PA. Amazing. (laughs) I finally feel like I made it in life and I just need a maid. (laughs) Um, And um, she literally makes sure I stay on track. I have got this massive Excel spreadsheet that is segmented into the different areas in the business, whether that's marketing, supply chain, staff, even private. All the to-dos go in there. They get color-coded by how important they are or how time-pressing they are. And her main job is to not let me start a new project before I have finished (laughs) one. Don't we all need one of those? <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, oh, shiny thing. I want to do this and I want to do that. And then another 16 to do is go on the list. So, yeah, I'm trying to stay on track and finish something off before I start something new. Do you have a favorite business book? I am a big fan of Lisa Jones. Lovely. Who owns Com Academy. She is an e-com genius. So everything she puts out, I'm currently reading her book. She also has got a great podcast and I like you, really good marketing advice in there. Amazing. I assume her podcast is your favorite podcast or do you have a different favorite podcast? I don't think I have a favorite podcast. I just love listening to them all, I'd say, but I've definitely (laughs) listened um, to her entire podcast and I've started listening to yours. So well done. Thank you. And if people want to visit you, what's the best way for them to find you? So our website is uh, readsrealfood.com. And all our handles are just tweet real food and you find us on different social media platforms. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes at brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash episode 43.